Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Bible and Banter. We are your co-host, uh, Michael J. Alex, and I am the other guy, Eric Reynolds. Welcome back, Mike. Good to see hey, you. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm thankful that, that this, <laughs> this week-to-week gig that uh, I haven't haven't gotten booted yet. So I know well, you're just you're looking not, for a replacement. But. You're not. You're not Luke. Uh, Luke, we'd have to put on, we'd have to, you know, send him down to the minors for a couple of weeks at a time and, uh, get suspended and, and all that stuff. And, and we haven't had any of those issues with you, Mike. Well, thank you. It's, it's coming, but thank you. <laughs> you're, you're planning on saying some, uh, messed up stuff. <laughs> I'm not planning on it, but it usually happens at some point. By the way, for those who don't realize, I am just kidding. Luke's never been suspended or anything like that. He's been urged to apologize before, but he's never been suspended or, or anything like that. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so today, uh, we're not going to get into our topic just yet, but just for those who are listening or watching, we're going to be talking about a recent article written by a good friend of ours, Nathaniel Bickford, who's the pastor of a church in, is it Whitfield or Whitefield? New Hampshire. Whitefield. Whitefield. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it was a very good article. I get I get to see all the numbers of like how many people visit articles and how many visitors we have to the website and Advent Christian Voices. And I think he released his – he either sent his article out on Saturday or Sunday, and it's already it, – it's already eclipsed an article that I wrote like two weeks ago. Um it's phenomenal. I mean, he's just gotten a lot of uh, a lot of traction and whatnot. So, whether or not you agree with it, it's at least getting people. Uh, it's perking the ears. Now, in talking with him, I know the intent is to get people people's ears perked, but also their mouths going. You know, to have conversation. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, Mike, uh, Mike, what's new with you, man? Oh, uh, not nothing really. I mean, we're fully on into fall here in here in uh, central Maine. And so getting ready to batten up the hatches for winter and uh, mm-hmm. also the crazy holiday times are upon us. So trying not to get stressed out before you do actually need to be stressed out, but mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of plugging chugging along. If you That's will, good. you uh, had, did you watch the Red Sox last night? I did. Wow. <laughs> I had to go in and out a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, because my wife and I like to have our, our, uh, we like to watch something before we go to bed. And so like on commercial breaks, cause we watch it through Hulu and we're, t- I don't want to pay for the no commercial subscription. You uh-huh. know, I was, I had the game going kind of silent next to me and watching on my phone, uh, while that was also going on. And so, so when you were supposed to be paying attention to your wife, you were paying attention to your phone. No, 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 no. I That's gave her the, no. We I paid attention to her when it was appropriate, um, and here's the thing: the, the thing is, we're spending time paying attention to something else, and so I just spread my time paying attention to something else to other to multiple things. The and not to throw her under the bus, but oftentimes she'll be paying attention to our Facebook while also mm-hmm. watching uh, mm-hmm. our show. So, so, so if I get a late night like on a post or a photo from Erica, I can assume it's because you guys are, are laying in bed watching a television show and you're on your phone and she's on hers. Yes, but we're not in bed. <laughs> we are, we are in our living room cause we don't have a TV in our, in our bedroom. 
Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Well, see, we we didn't have a TV in our bedroom for 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 a few years. And then we'd want to lay down in our bed and watch something together. So we just use a tablet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is stupid. If we're just <laughs> going to do this, we might as well just put a TV up on the wall. And that's what we did. Yeah. Um, and now we kind of do the same thing. Like when it's bedtime, we go and we usually have a television show that we watch or uh, we're in between shows. We're trying to figure out what the next mm-hmm. one is. Yeah. So, yeah, we just finished. Have you watched Midnight Mass yet on Netflix? No, I try to get rid of anything Catholic in my life. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty interesting. I'm just kidding. By the way, I'm just kidding. That was not serious. <laughs> uh, okay, Owen Strain. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Dude, I so Owen Strand is I, I I don't follow him on Twitter, but I might as well because everybody like subtweets him or quote tweets him and, and all that stuff. And he has said a lot of stuff against Thomas Aquinas and Roman Catholicism. And now, granted, I have a lot of issues with Roman Catholicism. I believe as a whole, what they teach is antithetical to the gospel, but that doesn't mean that there isn't truth found within Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Um, including the Trinity, the nature of God. <laughs> like there's, there's all kinds of stuff that are helpful. We, um, we could, t- he, people that are similar to him tend to take the baby and throw out the baby with the bathwater because there's so much error that they disagree with that. They're not gonna, they're not gonna um, even, even entertain the possibility of there being some truth and then have people deceived. Yeah. Um, which I, I just, I, dis- I disagree with that mentality um, in, in many ways, not always, but uh, yeah. I just can't believe he was a professor at a like decent seminary. He was being, was being the operative term there. Um, <laughs> just surprising to me anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we finished that, which like the first couple episodes, I was like, yo, this guy, like it's about a priest. I thought, you know, there were some good theological nuggets in there that I thought this is this is better than most things on that you would get from a Christian bookstore, uh, mm-hmm. like as far as like a DVD or whatnot. Like it was just there were some things that were rich, and then like it went off the deep end. So, yeah, it was worth that's how watch. Hollywood t- tends to go when it when it deals with anything Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like they they might start off with something that okay, and then just totally murder it just totally yeah. yeah well it wasn't like a commentary on religion or anything like that i don't no. think it, or at least if it was it was over my head um which isn't hard the the only catholic thing hollywood has produced that i've watched recently is um oh what was that show on netflix uh something about a nun this order of nuns that fight evil and this girl that wasn't a nun got like a halo placed in her back i can't remember <laughs> what? What it's, called. it's it's actually it's very sci-fi e but uh-huh. it's actually quite fascinating to me okay um i'll let me look it up real fast while you're talking well well i'll tell you the i'm not big on like scary stuff or anything like that like that's just not my thing that's robin's thing that's not my thing and the uh, the show midnight mass wasn't really horror or anything like that like i wasn't i wasn't really you know there were some jumpy points, but nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's called yeah. Warrior Nun. I'm not saying I'm not recommending it. 
I'm just saying that it's the last thing I watched that has some sort of Catholic remnant to it. Mm -hmm. So, so you watched the Red Sox last night once Erica went to bed, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was crazy. Here's the thing about the Red Sox because they, they hit a grand slam. They had two grand slams in the game before. And so it was like the game before nine, nothing, but then the Astros, no big lead for the Red Sox is safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the pitching's so bad. Well, the pitching's bad for the Astros too. Uh, So, so I need to confess something. I have not watched or really paid much attention to the Red Sox in about three years. Uh, So, so I used to be an avid Red Sox fan when uh, when I moved back after the army. My dad and I would go to a couple of games a year. Um, one of the best experiences of my lifetime had went, I went to a Red Sox Yankees game at Fenway with my dad, which is just so cool. Um, so, so I'm a lifelong Sox fan watched, you know, probably 60, 70 games a season when I was a kid, uh, just avid, avid fan. But the last few years, man, baseball has just been a drain. It's been really hard to watch. So, uh, and then moving down here, the Red Sox games aren't easy to get. And I'm more of a hockey fan anyway. So, so yeah, the, the last couple of games are the only ones I've really watched from, you know, six plus innings uh, for the last right. couple, you know, for a few years. And, um, man, watching, watching them play at Fenway again and have a game like that, it was really exciting. Uh, and I'll be honest, I have not been excited about baseball in years, ever since, uh, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think what year 2000 and f- I think it was 2014. Was it 13 or 14? They won and they had the flying Hawaiian out in uh, right oh, field. Oh, yeah, 2013. That was their World Series. Yeah. Year, um, yeah. yeah, that was that was incredible. And I think he hit a grand slam at one point in the yep. uh, yeah, he was, was actually was my great. wife's favorite player that year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. up, Jack? I, 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 Hi. I, I'm, uh, hey, buddy. Hi. Yeah, I can't remember what his what his I name can't was. Hear anything. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we can hear you, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, because Robin's been out of town for the last couple of days, I moved uh, my Xbox up upstairs in our bedroom to that TV. So when I came down here, Jackson was like, "Hey, can I go play Fortnite?" And I said, yeah, for sure, man. That's awesome. But apparently, oh, that's why he's down here. Fortnite has to update because it's been a while uh-huh. since he's played it. Yeah. So. Destroyed me. What destroyed you? The Sharks. I played oh. NHL. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Cool. Do you have the, the most recent version of NHL? Is it 2021 or? 22. Oh, 2022. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, uh, so I've I. heard it's good. I've bought like the new NHL because I'm a sucker for like the last five, six, seven years. And this has been the best update they've had in recent memory. Hmm. Yeah. So cool. Uh, yeah. A, a guy in our church, a buddy of mine just got it for his PS five and he's like, it's good. Like even when you're skating, cause they have like the, the sensory technology and the controller, like even uh-huh. as you're skating, you feel it like vibrate a little bit like you're skating. Really? Yeah, that's neat. See, I don't yeah. have a PS5. Uh, I have an Xbox One, so yeah. I don't have the what five six hundred bucks to drop on 
uh, a new yeah. game system. I just don't. I don't play it enough either. If you, know? you stopped, if you stopped buying all these Apple products, you'd probably have enough. <laughs> well, you know what, what can I do? <laughs> uh, so, 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 Mike, we are. We're going to talk about Nathaniel's recent article, and. Uh, so Josh asked if this is a first order or third order issue. Well, it depends. Watching the Red Sox or is it gaming? What gaming systems? What you do with your wife watching shows like TV in the bedroom? Like we've hit a lot of different things. We had this should actually be a conversation for like what is because uh, we also our perspective is probably going to be different than somebody who's a boomer. We're like or or someone who's even older. Right. Because yeah. I think now, like when I was a kid, it was nothing for me to spend six, seven, eight hours watching or playing a, playing a game. Yeah. I do say one of our shows should be not necessarily talk about Stray, Owen Strayan, but guys like, like kind of like him that just make an issue over things and throw things totally out rather than trying to sift. Um, and really going hardcore after things that, it may not be helpful, but anyway, Cheney, let, let us know specifically what you want to break fellowship over this about. And we will. <laughs> is it the Apple products or is it <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Apple products? You know, nothing draws ire from people more than talking about Apple. Hey, so, I have an iPhone and I would probably have more Apple products if they were more inexpensive to purchase. That's fair. That's fair. So, so actually let's, let's, let's talk, uh, Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I'm He's so saying that, that Apple products were involved in the original sin of mankind. Okay, that's fair. But you know what? I'm imbibing that sin. So, <laughs> hey, you're um, just trying to redeem it. Redeem its yeah. its fallenness. So, so actually, if we talk a little bit about Strand, I think that that dovetails well into our conversation about Nathan Bickford's article, uh, which is okay. like Strand. Strand makes seemingly, you said he'll throw babies out with bathwater. Um, he kind he kind of makes mountains out of molehills. Now, a lot of stuff he says, I go, man, if I could just refine what he says, like and narrow it a bit more, I would agree. Right. So like with the Roman Catholicism, like I would never advocate someone to be a member of a Roman Catholic church or diocese. Right. I would never advocate someone like if you're interested, you just like want to see what a mass is like, go like uh, by all means. Um, but I, I would never commend their teaching as a whole. However, as I study the Trinity as, as my, as the focus of my PhD, I'm borrowing heavily and relying upon a lot of Roman Catholic theologians. And, and one actually has a really good work that's cited by almost every, everybody who's studying the Trinity, um, which is Carl Rayner. And um, he's got a great work called, uh, I think it's called on the Trinity. It's really good, really concise, really readable. Um, but it's just, it's solid. So I'm not going to throw that out just because the guy uh, is a Roman Catholic. Uh, based on what he's written, I believe he's totally um, a believer in Jesus. I think he's a brother in the Lord. But um, the doctrine that they teach as a whole is a works-based salvation. It's semi-Pelagian. In fact, semi-Pelagian was even denounced by uh, a Roman Catholic council. 
<laughs> like way back in the day. So even some of their own doctrine that they have today, they've condemned previously. So, so yeah. it's just, it's so crazy to me. Um, but I'm not going to say let's throw everything out um, that they've ever taught because if we look at it, yes, that's the one uh, Bickford. Um, so uh, where was I going with this? I don't know. Well, as, as Bickford shares in his article, he's not calling for us to throw babies out with bathwater. Sure. Right. Yep. And yep. he's not talking, he's also not talking about reshuffling the decks on that Titanic, but you and I, I mean, Mike, you might be more well-connected than I am regarding other AC pastors and whatnot. Um, but at least the people that I'm connected with, I've not yet come across a pastor or leader who said, Hey, our current organization as a, um, uh, as a denomination is awesome. Like we are, we are tracking, we are doing really well. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Now there are pockets of success. There are pockets of really good things happening, but as a whole, the, everyone I've spoken to, like, I literally can't think of one person who's been like, no, I think what we're doing right now is perfectly fine. Um, so, so Nathaniel brings out in his article, just points for people to consider and then offers, here's my suggestion for a solution, but it doesn't have to be the solution. What do you guys think? And, and I'm hoping that will spark some dialogue. Right. I, oh, I absolutely think so. What, what we my only concern in that discussion is the, well, it's too late or it's too hard or I'm jaded from stuff like this having tried, been tried or discussed before. It goes nowhere, blah, 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 blah. Um, well, let's start putting out solutions and start moving towards something. And if you've had a bad experience uh, about with it in the past and you're still holding on to that bad experience, then repent of your bitterness and let's start moving, moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, don't stop commenting your negativity from the cheap sheets. Uh, cheap sheets or cheap, cheap sheets? Well, they're probably laying in bed rather than attending church. So, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. That, that was mean. But uh, anyway, you know, get, get in the game and bring your wisdom that you learned from the first failed attempt to the, to the current attempt. Mm -hmm. um, or because other, you know, cause here's the reality. We've got a bunch of guys ready to retire and I understand it's hard to get motivated for change when you're entering into the back nine. I get that, mm -hmm. but then don't complain when we young guys really shake the th things up and, and shuffle mm -hmm. the deck. Well, uh, but also Mike, don't stay involved Mike, just to keep things the same. Mike, can I make an observation? And, and I'm not, and I, and I don't want to, uh, so I, um, based on some sociological articles that I've read, um, the, the boomer generation, which are, is the generation that is retiring now or soon to be retiring, um, that sociologists have observed that the boomer generation has not made it as large a priority to hand things off better than when they found it, quite like the generation before them. Um, so now again, that's so that's sociolo sociologists I've, I've read. Um, 
But when you when you consider that someone who's maybe 63, 64, 67 years old and they know they're staring uh, retirement in the face and for some, they really just might. And I, I'm not saying I blame them, you know, be in a position where they go, listen, I'm not trying to rock the boat or upset the apple cart. Like I'm, I'm just trying to retire here. Um, and, and I understand that. I totally understand that. And I respect it. Um, you know, they are trying to, to retire and then start the next part of their Christian walk um, and their service to the Lord. But if, if they're in that category, I think that they can be very important resources in helping us have these conversations, right? So only recently in the last few days after following interactions on social media and on Ever Christian Voices, you know, Bob Mayer, who was a denominational leader for a number of years, um, he just retired out of Gordon-Conwell as their head librarian, Um you know, he he shared his just historical facts that the conversation that that Nathaniel was trying to bring up and have, um, they had at one time in 1984, and he said through the mid mid 80s this conversation was had, and um, it was completely thrown out. People were laughed out of the room. It was it was a um, not a good scene. So I would not have known that had it not been for for right. Mayor, right? Um, so I want to see guys like Mayor, guys that are his age that probably lived that and, and were trying to advocate for some kind of change. Say, hey, here's how we can do it. Here's why it's needed. Um, we need some of these elder statesmen to have to have this conversation with instead of us just being a bunch of young Turks. And, 100%. And, 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 that's and why let's I face it, Mike, you and I aren't as we're, – we're young, comparatively speaking, but we're mm-hmm. not – young worldly speaking in in the sense of you know if i talk to a lot of people who aren't pastors they are in the air perfectly i had a conversation with a church member a number of months ago and they said uh they're like 37 years old and they said yeah i'm at the stage of my life and in my career where i'm now the person everyone looks up to in in the office or at work as the subject matter expert and that's not necessarily the case in our denomination. Uh, those who are under 40, I would say even under 50, can oftentimes be looked at with some level of suspicion um, uh, and naivete and, and not have, you know, just it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not helpful. Right. But, and so, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I'm like, all right, we got a bunch of retired, retiring guys. Don't 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 just retire and fade, but come and give us the wisdom of what has and has not worked in the past in the right. goal of moving forward, not just like I have the I have the personality, which I need to repent of regularly of being a uh, a uh, almost a nihilistic curmudgeon. Like, what's the point? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Nonsense, you know, mm-hmm. and just very, very negative. But we need we don't need more of that. We need. Old guy saying, "Yeah, we tried it in the past. Um, here's what what happened. Don't make those same mistakes. We want to see this this work. Um, we want to see this go forward. And here's what what I learned or we learned in the past. Yeah. Um, and, and here and but again, and and I've thought about this a lot because, as you say, I feel very young in the pastorate, and part of that's because people tell me how young I am." Uh, but there's many things that I don't know how to handle. I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I, I 
venture to say most 38-year-old pastors, if they would have said the sa- a similar thing, because ministry changes so much and you never know what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look back, you know, here's the reality. I have been in this for over a decade now. Mm-hmm. And I've been in the Advent Christian Church for a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 yeah, we might be young. But we're, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, we're not stupid. <laughs> and, we're, and we're not necessarily pie in the sky. We recognize that this is going to be hard and that people's noses are going to be bent. And if you, like I just even read, a, read a, consolidate the two levels of region and conference into one new level conference. And I can see people in current positions being nervous by that, saying, well, what does that mean for me? Well, it also, you know, just knowing how certain things work, Mike, And and I appreciate Bickford because he's not saying, hey, here are my solutions. This is what we must do. He's saying, here are some solutions I've thought of. I'm open to hearing what anybody might say. He's getting the he's putting out real practical solutions to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. Even if every single one of those is thrown out, at least he hey, at least he contributes something practically. To the mm-hmm. conversation. What what have you? What has anybody else contributed? No, you, know, you can other, ask me. Other, other you can than, ask me. I've than, contributed nothing. <laughs> but no, I just mean. Yeah. I just mean yeah. for for those who sure. who who might read that article and go, whoa, 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 let's let's hold our horses, which might be some reaction, some some's reaction. That's okay. Like like I'm not telling people how to react, right, or how to feel about it. But uh, let's have the conversation. How can we fix certain things? Because. Mike, I think you would agree that the primary purpose of our network is the Great Commission work and accountability. Like those, those are the two biggest things. So, and if you think about um, what we give the most money to, um, one, we it's often missions, right? So it's often to through Penny Crusade or this or that, and it's perpetuating the mission. It's perpetuating the great, perpetuating the Great Commission. Um, but also at the local conference, we have um, that's where our ministerial committees are, where they're responsible for holding pastors accountable for what they teach, what they believe and and what they um, how they uh, their character. Right. And, and what they're doing. So so accountability, the Great Commission and then some fellowship. But it but it feels when I look at the landscape of, of American evangelicalism and, and movements of, of missions and church planting and all that, I can look at a million, I don't want to exaggerate, but I can name off a, a, a quite a few um, movements that are far more effective at those things than we are. And we have to assess for ourselves is my, are my resources, whether it be time, could be our talents, it could be our finances, our people resources, are they best utilized in helping, you know, helping us get to a place of greater health and efficiency and effectiveness? Or is it better used to go join an organization that is already meets our values and our goals? Mm-hmm. Um, now you and I would probably agree that, we're, Hey, we're Advent Christians. We're here for the long haul. We want to see, um, God do an amazing work in our, in our network. But if the network is like, nah, I'm good. 
like I, I don't want, I don't want to be effective. I don't want to be efficient. I just want the status quo, even if that means um, diminishing resources and effectiveness. Um, then I think we have to seriously consider, well, what am I doing here? You know, like, I don't like being ineffective. (laughs) I, I, it's impossible for me to understand, seemingly impossible for me to understand how people would be content with not, not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and to kind of, Tori, I don't have a nihilistic view. I was using a bit of hyperbole in the, in the, when dealing with issues of trying to, you know, getting frustrated and just saying, what's the point? There's no point in trying. And, and sometimes people can get that way, especially some people are more prone to that personality, that viewpoint, depending on their personality uh, as well. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't saying I have a nihilistic view, but I can tend to sinfully get into that, uh, you know, that reality. And it's something, you know, anybody that can not may not be aware of their own tendencies and would need to repent mm-hmm. of their lines of thinking and the holes they dig for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think um, an act, there is no real opening in Christendom for an actual nihilistic view of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Mike, I'll go back to my original question that there was rhetorical and I didn't give you an, a chance to answer, but I mean, do you know anyone who thinks the current are uh, the status quo is one of great health and vitality? I have not met a single person. I, in, in fact, I had a conversation with someone this summer who was thinking about starting up the, um, the, the pastoral, ordination process with the main state conference. And he asked me, he's like, is this even worth it? Or am I just hitching my, you know, jumping into a sinking ship? Mm. And, uh, what, and, uh, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't tell me. <laughs> don't. Yeah. I said, I said, I think it's worth it, especially if you have the convictions, uh, because there are some of us, that are trying to keep thing, you know, keep it from sinking. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for an easy ride, uh, if you're looking for a cruise cruise ship, then no, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if you're willing to put in the work and be help, try to be a voice of, of try to work towards health and mm-hmm. the, and the common good of the denomination, then I mm-hmm. think it's worth it. Uh, that's good. So, so did they decide to pursue that? I'm not quite sure. I don't know where. <laughs> okay. it I, I don't know where it stands now because I don't have like I don't have co- uh, conversations with this person on a regular basis. It was in the midst of a camp meeting. Uh, oh, okay. And, and I'm not on com- main camp, main state conference board anymore, so I don't really know yeah. what the what, what that what things are like at that level at this point. Yeah. Well, and. And I think for those who are yearning, so so neither of us, I, I would be interested in hearing from people who are like, yeah, I think we're very effective. Um, I would genuinely like to hear why, you know, their reasons and evidence for, for suggesting that, you know, because I, I think, I think we're on an upswing. Like, I think there are some really good things happening. So I don't want this to be a doom and gloom episode because I'm very hopeful. 
Um, you know, I've shared a little bit about that in the last few weeks where, hey, we are uh, we're training over, you know, 30 plus people right now through MTI, which is far more than we're getting trained before for some level of, of leadership, whether it be local church or, or whatnot. Um, there are some really good things happening. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if we want them to accelerate, if we want to be more efficient, I think that we have to look at our structure. Our structure ha- is everybody agrees that the structure is far too large and there is a lot of waste regarding people, time, and finances. So if that's the case, we got to do something, man. Like, right. like if uh, in the army, it was illegal. It was, Ill- it was punishable by UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, to participate in fraud, waste, and abuse, to include, participation included, not reporting it. Um, so fraud, waste, and abuse is, is it's a broad term, but I believe we have a lot of it. Um, I, I believe there's a, a good number of fraud, waste, and abuse. And we're not the only ones. A lot of Christian organizations do it. Like I think of the Billy Graham Evangelical Theo- or Evangelical Society Dude, I get so many of these mailers from them. Um, mm-hmm. It's incri- like we get maybe somewhere between 40 and 50 letters from them a year at the church. And they're all, they all cost somewhere between two and three dollars to mail. I don't know how much money goes into the envelope um, regarding like the paper and all that, but we really only need one. <laughs> we only need one of those things. And if we're, the, right. we're not the only church getting that. So, um, yeah, so we just need to have the con- we need to have the conversation, come up with some solutions and, and move forward. And, the, and there could be a number of different solutions. We're just going to pick the one that suits us best. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. Throw, throw them on the table, pro, do a pro and cons list. What's, <laughs> what's doable. What's not doable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think of what well, you've served on your conference board before, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so you obviously have a certain perspective. I was at one time on the heritage ever Christian conference board as their vice president. Um, and I, I just, there were so many times where I thought, man, some kind of merger, uh, whether the the conference takes up what the what the region does or the region takes up what the conference does, would totally make sense. Let's just do this. Like let's just eliminate something so that we can funnel funds and you know pool funds together. Um, we can yep. eliminate board positions so that we're not taxing people. Um, and that's one of the things I think Nathaniel draws on in his article is how so many people are overtaxed with board positions. Uh, you know, you have pastors oftentimes serving on multiple boards that take up countless hours throughout their week and year. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I feel. And, and to, the, mm-hmm. to the degree and then also what those different boards require in terms of commitment and time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at is finding I'm at this a stage in life where I actually need to scale back, even though even though it's a real probably bad time denominationally to be scaling mm-hmm. back. But I need to scale back and 
and really wrestle through outside of my family, church, and local community, what should I be investing time in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and energy, because again, that is time that's taken away from these other spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you when you look at how many real possibilities there are in our denomination, it is jaw dropping, mm-hmm. jaw dropping. The and the expectation, especially for pastors in particular, to be fulfilling the filling in those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in all honesty, a lot of and I don't know how you do it because you don't know people in individual churches, but the reality is. Um, you got to stop asking pastors to fill these roles and start looking for lay people as well. Mm-hmm. And if that means you need to change when, when, and how your meet te- your your committees meet, then do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know. It, I know Zoom and online meetings are not the greatest, but if that's the only way you can meet, so that lay people can meet and not sacrifice their job, then you need to do that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Not not everybody has the flexibility from their jobs to be able to take or wants to take vacation times to to go to your your committee meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big ask, you know, uh, that is a big ask to, to say, hey, take, you know, just take a take a sick day, take a day off, you know, whatever. Um, you don't know that person's circumstance, you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that's a hard hard request to make. Um, are you are you hopeful that some kind of change will happen, or are you like Bob Mayer, <laughs> who who uh, on a Facebook post shared his cynicism? Uh, I, honestly, I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful, but only if we're willing to do the necessary downsi- downsizing mm-hmm. that I think is probably necessary. But there's a lot of history. There's a lot of sentimentality. There's a lot of different things that would prevent us from doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, I would. Um, I'm mixed, man. Uh, I'm mixed a- as far as whether or not I think these any kind of solutions will happen, any kind of change will happen, because based on what Mayor said, man, I mean that really. You know, hey, we tried this 40 years ago almost, um, and there was a visceral visceral reaction to it. So, uh, you know, yeah. which really stinks, man, because I, I think, you know, we want to see uh, our churches flourish. We want to see our people flourish. We want to see greater cooperation um, for gospel ministry. We want right. to see churches planted. We want to see all these things happen. And it's like, is it, why are we stepping on our own toes? You know, why, why we're, we're cutting our nose to spite our face. Uh, let's, let's have these hard conversations and fix it, you know? Um, right. I don't know, man. It's just such yeah. a struggle for me to under, to grasp. Yeah. No. And I, I feel Josh's, Josh's comment. Like if you can't specifically to what they'll be accomplishing in that role. And so then my question is, well, why would a pastor want to fill that role, that position either? Mm. If you can't vocalize it to them, then how are you vocalizing it to a pastor? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so I think that that comes down to these different entities need to better advocate for why they are necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and what they are actually accomplishing. Mm-hmm. And and that's not easy. I'm not I'm not necessarily great at that either. Mm-hmm. But well, and Mark shares uh, Mark. I would actually Mark and Josh. I challenge you guys because uh, you're you're avid viewers of our show. Uh, you are smart guys, and and you're obviously commenting. You care about what we're talking about. So I would challenge you guys write an article. Um, it doesn't have to be long. Write something 500 to 1500 words, um, and we'll post it on Advent Christian Voices. Talk about at least. Um, anything in regards to change or solutions and, and what you see from your vantage point, because Josh is uh, Josh uh, recently became the pastor of Duntown AC church up in, uh, up in the County. You know, he's been there for a couple of years now, I think mm-hmm. um, he was a realtor. We talked about that last week. And then Mark is uh bivocational out in Illinois out. Um, he's the, Chaplain at Aurora University, great, both great guys, great brothers in the Lord, and I would, I would appreciate reading what you have to say, mm-hmm. um, and show others the, you know, the support that you have for, at least what Nathaniel's trying to draw out, um, and for anybody else, maybe, maybe you disagree, man, comment mm-hmm. on Nathaniel, co- or send us an article, um, and we'd love to publish it. We want to publish different views and perspectives. Um, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a hard conversation. And I appreciate what Mark has to say here, which is he says, uh, I see a future for the AC church in a way different form, much smaller with maybe 100 or so churches. Let's assume for a second. um, Let's assume for a second here, Mike, that Mark is correct, that uh, we will be at a hundred churches, let's say 10 years from now, which is not a stretch of the imagination. We're a little bit above 200. Now we're running a significant deficit regarding, um, leadership. Um, and a lot of churches are 20 or less members. Uh, too bad, <laughs> too bad. Uh, Jay Nash isn't here to give us the, the straight stats, but, um, it seems reasonable to me based on conversations that I've had that we could be at a hundred churches within 10 years. Um, so let's say that's the case. Yep. hundred churches, Mike. Um, if we're at a hundred churches, do you see the denominational structure as it is continuing uh, from that point on? Not with money. Mm -hmm. I think the money's going to dry up. Mm -hmm. So if you can function as a completely, um, finance, no fiscally fiscal responsibilities, then sure. I think you could mm-hmm. operate, you could still exist in name only and everything be volunteer based potentially, but mm-hmm. I don't think you'd have the resources to, to carry all of that. Yeah, I think, I think we agree. And I don't know that we've ever talked about this. So, so I, you know, to remain as an entity, it's not going to really cost you anything financially. Um, but it would be hard to support local conferences, regions, and uh, ACGC as it is with only a hundred churches. But then again, you know, I don't know how many churches give, so maybe it's only a hundred <laughs> churches that give to say United Ministries. So, so maybe a hundred churches is re- you know realistic, uh, and we would be able to s- sustain. I'm not sure. Um, I probably want to look at those numbers first. 
but right. Uh, and and Josh Cheney shares. He he says, "Do you see that making the theological solidification process easier or more difficult?" And I'm assuming he's talking about what Mark shared about the 100 churches. I would think it'd be a lot easier. Um, I think it'd be a lot easier for uh, us as a denomination to address the theological issues that we have with far fewer churches, which means, okay, do we just wait? Do we wait things out? Do we wait for those who are resistant now to, um, so that they're not in an ability to, to participate in those conversations and then, um, so that we can address the theological and then the structural. I don't know, but 10 years really. a long 10 years in one sense is a long time, but it's also a short time. Um, right. You know? Uh, oh, absolutely. There, there, I mean, with anything, there's a lot of unknowns and, and I think the mm-hmm. unknowns and the difficulty of the past is what makes it makes one wonder if it's even, really worth it. I think, I think it's worth it or else I wouldn't be having the conversation. (laughs) Um, I think it's, I think it's always worth always because the goal isn't to maintain the denomination or denominational loyalty. The main goal is the great commission. And if the main goal is the great commission, then we do have to weigh the resistance that we that that you could potentially face now, like if this was 1984, right? Like if this was 1984, the way that Mayor has shared about it, mm-hmm. I would I I would have considered leaving the denomination at that point because I, sure. I would have just thought, you know, if I were the same age then, because I would have thought, well, shoot, you're you're essential. The denomination <laughs> was more robust then than it is now, and I, I would have just thought. Wait, we're just trying to support a structure that that we have rather than carry out the Great Commission in the most effective and efficient means possible. Why would I want to be a part of this thing? Mm-hmm. You know why 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 would you and your church want to be in fellowship or in association um, when when there's just continually obstacles mm. to to increasing effectiveness in carrying out the great commission. Right. Oh, Nathaniel says he's going to push back because the main goal is to glorify God. The great commission is the, is one key piece of that. Thank you, Josh Cheney for taking on Nathaniel by referring to him as uh, Mr. Westminster. Yes, of course, Nathaniel, I'm talking about uh, glorifying the Lord. We should glorify the Lord in our worship in the way we communicate with one another, we should glorify him in carrying out the great commission, sharing the gospel and seeing people come into the kingdom of God. Uh, we just have to have the question, is our current means of doing that? Is our current organizational structure helping or hurting that? And everybody I've spoken to has suggested that um, it's certainly not helping. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in between helping and hurting, most likely. Because to say that it's hurting, I would say there would have to be some kind of like, no, don't go preach the gospel. That's not happening. Um, We have a great many faithful churches and pastors. But we are getting in the way of, uh, we ourselves are stepping on our own toes and not streamlining things, pooling our resources together 
helping plant churches and revitalize churches and, and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 What else you got, Mike? You look preoccupied, like you're like you're Sorry, starting I... to write an article or something. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you're gonna kick me out, and I don't blame you. But all this discussion about uh, filling board positions <laughs> made me think about. Oh, I haven't updated Berkshire Christian College's board positions uh, Excel spreadsheet. So that's what you've been doing this whole time? <laughs> I just feel See, like I have to multitask all the time. We can't, so I was just... Mike, we can't even get Mike Alex to participate in these conversations. How are we going to get anybody else to? So I was just doing a lot of copying and pasting. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's what I've come to. <laughs> I, ha I have to multitask. That's because you have too many board positions. And I really don't. I just have a family and a, and a church that feels overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. Um. Uh, Heath Keniston uh, asked a really good question. Why not narrow the focus to training leaders and filling pulpits? Let the churches fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, you know, that's certainly a... a I mean, that's certainly a perspective that's worth having the conversation, right? Like, so at what, um, who's responsible for doing what? And, and I think that's actually part of Nathaniel's premise is that we have overlap at conference region and denomination, just streamline the whole thing. Um, I, I, and I agree. It's the churches who, who are fulfilling the great commission in proclaiming the gospel and planting churches and helping revitalize churches. I think that there are things that you can do to help help in that endeavor, like coming alongside. Um, and and I, I would say that the primary focus of, of even the local church, uh, not the primary focus, excuse me, one aspect of the local church, this is where our leaders come from. This is how we fill pulpits and, and whatnot. So it's not, it's not, abdicate the church abdicating the responsibility it's empowering the local church equipping the local church coming alongside and helping um which is which we and that's how that's how we're structured is the local church has all the authority over the rest of the denominational structure so um the conference region and acgc are here to serve the local church and help that local church fulfill the great commission and glorify the Lord primarily through all that, Nathaniel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? That's a difficult question and yet very simple <laughs> at the same time because uh, what, what, I, what I get, what I'm trying to read, okay, denomination fills the pulpits. Okay, but we're also dragged grabbing people from churches to do that. So th there's a lot more intersection when we, when we go outside of the local church with the local church, than I think we may think is necessary, but it is necessary. Mm -hmm. So let the, so I don't know that uh, if you're going to even have a denomination that tries to tie churches together, whether it's a domination or a network or whatever, 
even if you have an entity overhead, um, it's going to be difficult in describing and talking to them about who's responsible for what. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, kind of where we're at. We don't know who's responsible. So what is, what do you, what, like I would ask, okay, let the churches fulfill the great commission. What, what does that mean? Well, I, I assume that means discipleship, sending, going, all of that jazz. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What role does the denomination have in that other than plunking a guy in there to do it, to, to help mm -hmm. lead that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then that's a very limited and that's probably doable, mm -hmm. but it doesn't take as much as many resources as we're using now to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I also think, so Mike, when you were, when you were main state conference, whatever, were yeah. you ever part of like, did any churches ever reach out to you and say, Hey, can you help us find a pastor? To a degree, yeah. Because we had, I mean, when I was uh, the hack vice president uh, at Heritage Everett Christian Conference, I mean, we would we would do all that we could to help churches find pastors or navigate certain yeah. things and whatnot. Um, and we did that mostly through the connections that we had, through meeting other right. pastors. And, but the, and but the, problem, the problem that I saw when I was on that is there's three levels. Which one do you go to for that? Right. And that's, that's the whole point, right? So which and, and that's the thing. And so I, I think I agree with Heath. Yeah, let the Great Commission. But at the same time, the, the denomination can be a resource to help local churches do that, help mm -hmm. supply the, the training, the, the help, or even the resources. Um, you know, because here's the reality. If we have a hundred, let's say we become a 100, church, 100 people church and we, we support one missionary per church. I'd be interested mm -hmm. to see how many missionaries that is compared to how many we have now. But the mm -hmm. reality is most churches probably can't be the sole provider to one missionary. And you're going to need to ask other churches to come and help support that missionary. Mm -hmm. A la you have, you know, multiple things coming together. And that's what the denomination I feel like is kind of doing is, they're sending out for the great commission and asking for our help, kind of being a central missionary agency. Mm -hmm. But the, the potential is that ch local churches could just do that on their own. And we just, we supply the guy to help mm -hmm. lead that endeavor. I mean, that's mm -hmm. one way to look at it. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we can work, you know, we're better together in when we pull our resources and, and bring our minds together and think through stuff. Um, but it's just as as Mark says, if the structure isn't functioning, shouldn't it collapse? So we have. I just think we have to sure. look and say, is what we're doing functioning, and is it functioning to its yeah. fullest potential? Right. Um, and and I appreciate what Heath, you know, says yeah. in that local churches that are looking for pastors don't know where to look for new pastors. That's 100%. where the network can help. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So agree with that. And and the reality is. Even, but the we're actually in an even worse state than that than that reality, mm -hmm. because not only do we not know where to look, even if we knew where to look, we have no one to recommend. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I wonder how much of that is you know. So some of it, some of it, we're trying to address with MTI, right? Um, with with helping train and equip, uh, and you can speak more to it because you're. You're El Jefe over there at BCC. Um, but 
we're trying to do that, but I think we can also be going outside of our own circles to try to recruit pastors as well. There are, I know from my time at Gordon Conwell, and I'm sure you do as well, that there are a number of folks who've gone to seminary or who are at seminary who are looking uh, for a myriad of different types of ministries. A lot of folks that I was, that I was uh, in school with at, at Gordon Conwell were bivocational. That's what they were seeking to do was bivocational ministry. Um, and in my church revitalization class that I had there, the one of the professors brought in essentially the equivalent to three regional superintendents in the class to share about church revitalization. And then they would leave their business card along with profiles of churches that they're like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to poach you from where you're at. But if you're if you're a theological free agent or denominational free agent, um, here's my number. You can give me a call. And it was very effective. Um, it was very effective in, in building those types of relationships. So I'm not saying that that would need to be our local superintendents. Maybe it's conference presidents. Maybe it's, you know, just somebody who you think can do a good job at selling. Th- <laughs> on- well, that's the thing we need again. And it comes down to downsizing and streamlining. There, there's too much overlap and rep- repetition. And to some degree, that's always going to be the case. Uh, but we, we don't have one one place to go. And even in that, there's some lack of clarity when we do know where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, it's kind of a muddle. And, and then there's no consistency either. So mm-hmm. you go to a guy at Gordon Conwell and say, hey, we're hurting for pastors. We've got some openings for you. Okay, what do I have to do? Well, it depends on where you're going. Like if you're if you're going to the Southern Conference, you got to do this. If you're going to Main State Conference, you got to do this. If you're going here, you got to do this. And and even then, that's not clear. I'd be like, I'm out. out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't like, I I had a guy. I'm like, you know, a a while back that was interested in potentially seeking credentials in Main State Conference, and I'm like, that's great, that's wonderful. And he's like, okay, what's the process? And I'm like, well, if it's still the same process. (laughs) and you know then it's probably that this is what you're going to need to start off with and this is what Mm -hmm. this is you know and so for take for i assume this is still true in main state conference in order to get a get ordained not get a church because it's church to church difference but in order to get ordained you need a church recommendation and so in order to get and then in my thought process is in order to get a church recommendation the church has to know you Mm mm-hmm and so that's going to take some time. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong uh, yeah. by any stretch, but you've got to start building relationships and that takes time. Well, I, th- I, I, I think of this scenario, Mike, I'm going to use you as an example because I feel, I feel okay throwing you under the bus, not under the bus, but using, I feel better using you as an example because you're right here. So, so imagine a uh, situation where um, you were invited to come on campus at Gordon Conwell in the South Hamilton campus and set up a booth, you know, mm. and they do this, this is a regular thing. And they, and they probably did it when you were there, you could set up a booth, be there during lunchtime and afterwards and just have something. Hey, we're, we're looking for pastors in our denomination, have information about, um, about who we are, what we believe. It's a very, um, it's broadly evangelical there. So you don't have to, they got Gordy Isaac, <laughs> Dr. Isaac, who's an Advent Christian professor there. So it's not like you're gonna have to fight over conditional immortality. Um, but you have, a, you have people there who are paying to go to seminary. 
and you can literally tell them, hey, how much money are you paying for seminary right now? Because I can cut it in half. Mm-hmm. You like that? <laughs> I just, I just imagine had I not, if, if you were telling me when I was at my current school or the previous school I was at, and you were like, hey, if you come, if you come roll with us, and you agree with us theologically, and you, and you're going to be here for, you know, however many years you're in seminary, and we'll cut your bills in half. You didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd I'd be looking, I'd be thinking, you'd have the wheels turning in my head. You know, Um, I think you'd have that same reaction with people um, if we're recruiting at, you know, especially at Gordon Conwell because we already have that that uh, Mm -hmm. that connection. But anyway, and I use you because you're the El Jefe over on the Berkshire board. Mm -hmm. So, no doubt, and and to a degree. That's kind of what Gordy's position includes. Oh. But um, a lot of it is, a lot of the thought process, though, more so is that between him and Glenn going into churches and getting candidates from churches. Mm-hmm. But, and actually, that might be something for the Berkshire board to even think about is what about getting going on to campus Gordon Conwell specifically, because we have that relationship or other places and trying to get free agents, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And there are free agents out but, there. Because you're right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I remember even consider, you know, considering, wow, there's all these PCA guys. What's this all about? And learning more about it and seeing the denominational, you know, booster booster clubs uh, on, on, uh, on campus. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, you would see, uh, I don't know if booster club is, is, is really what it was, but, um, I can't, there was, uh, after my class was like a two to five class, I think the, the church revitalization class and the, um, one of the professors would often, who also helped recruit people into his denomination, (laughs) um, he would take guys out to dinner afterwards and um, sit down, have a beer with them and, and talk to them about their denomination, talk to them about different church opportunities. And there were folks who, I don't know if they ever went into that denomination, but they strongly considered it. And the same thing happened with these equivalents of either conference presidents or, or regional superintendents. And they would, you know, just buy someone, buy someone dinner and ask them, Ask them who they were, get to know them, and and share with them the opportunities that they might they might yeah. have. And wine and dine them, baby. Yep, yep. So uh, I never accepted any of those opportunities. I just want to put that out there. I was fully committed. So, <laughs> except you didn't change your denominational stance on you version, but that's okay. On um, or logos mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Oh really? Wait, how do you know? How do you even know that? Because when you had us do do one of these things and you opened up your Logos workflow, you sent us something ahead of time and it showed you denominational affiliation and it said SBC. Oh yeah, man. Well, the SBC it used to be for me, um, but then uh, but then Glenn Rice gave me some really good books on conditional immortality. And I was like, shoot, man, I really like the SBC. Yeah, um, and and Heath brings up actually a really good point um, to a degree. There is a job board a little bit in the e-news 
each each week. Yeah. But but that would that right there would take co- communication from our conferences slash regions, um, re- superintendents and presidents uh, or or secretaries or whatever to mm-hmm. put those out there. But not and all churches, of them are up there. Not all of them are up there. Not, not all church. church. Not even close. Are they even put out there uh, publicly? Yeah. yeah. Um, the I I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go to ACGC U.S. job openings and see if some of the churches that I'm aware of in Maine are even listed there. I'm going to be interested to see if they're even listed. But Heath, I agree with you, man. Like, I, I, I can agree do as that. Well. I can do so. I can go to the Baptist Convention of New England, the BCNE, um, and I use that because I was part of the SBC. And you can go and you can find job openings there. And you can find out who to contact, how to contact. Um, if you want to know how to plant a church or get help with, <clears throat> excuse me, church revitalization, you can find that all on their website. Um, and the BCNE is like the equivalent of, of I would say, our region, um, but they have a more robust staff. They usually they probably have up to a dozen uh, part time and full time workers, and because they're mu- they're just much larger. Um, but not all the resources that they have, like some of those things bring you to their whole denomination or, or an organization in their denomination, like NAM, the North American Missions Board and, and whatnot. Yeah. I love that State Road has their bivocational youth pastor position posted there. Mm-hmm. But I know that there's other churches in Maine looking for something. Not there. Not there. And, and some of that's communication. Maybe the churches mm-hmm. don't want it up there. I don't know. They might not. Yeah, but... Maybe they don't know that it's uh, that it's available to them, right? I mean, some of it's a communication problem, um, but uh, no, yeah. But again, what if we just streamline some stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, can we just make it a little bit easier? Can we work better together? I think we can. I think we can do better. It's possible. Um, I'm hopeful. And I think, I think that some of us having these conversations doing so with it, with um, a level of, of candor, but also humility um, could be very helpful. And I think I, I, maybe it's some of us younger guys who are trying to have these conversations now. And then the same conversations that the previous generation before us had 40 years ago, maybe they'll be will, willing to, uh, you know, open up those conversations again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I know, I know people have, a lot of people don't want to open up old wounds and, and, um, and whatnot. But even if that was a difficult time, there's no better way to correct it than to readdress the, the issues and move forward. Mm. So I don't know. Well, now that we uh, solved the world's problems, Mike, maybe we should uh, let everybody go back to about their day. Unless somebody else has another question or comment that they want us to comment on. I don't know. Are you still copying and pasting stuff? No, I'm trying to figure out how to use, something my wife sent me in Pinterest to print, Mm -hmm. but I don't use Pinterest. So I hate you. But, um, but 
I do have to go get my boys in 10 minutes from pagan school. All right, man. Oh, Nathaniel, let's do this real quick. Nathaniel asked if we ever addressed Matt Rice's questions. No, his questions uh, are always too hard, so I like to skip them. <laughs> they are usually hard. He he, But he's a Rice, which means he's usually smarter and kinder than the rest of us. So um, his first question was, we've been able to speak charitably with one another, but our history and declaration of principles allows us to hold our own beliefs. How do we fix this? Um by enforcing the declaration of making the making the declaration of principles and the statement of faith binding to uh, to churches and to pastors. That's how I think. And Matt probably knows that's what I would say, but that's he just wanted to draw that out of me at that time. I have no problem with that answer. I think having to actually believe the same similar things or same things is very unifying. And should be part of it. I agree. It, I don't, it's I don't think that's, also, go ahead. I mean, I, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, Christian or non-Christian, there's always an expectation of agreement on something, mm -hmm. not just a general, Hey, but there's something unifying mm -hmm. and what, else, you know, we can say Jesus is our unifier. Okay. Well, what Jesus are you talking about? Right. Are you talking about a fully divine right. Jesus, a partly divine Jesus, a partly human Jesus? Like there's so many different yeah. ways people portray or, or believe. Yeah, I Jesus. mean, apparently Sun Young Moon over in China was, you know, a reincarnation of Jesus. Are we, are we, uh, is it that Jesus we're following? I think so. So, I mean, <laughs> no, that's not the one, <laughs> but we, and we would all say that, but mm -hmm. anyway. So the, the, the next one uh, from Matt Rice is, when can we actually sit and have these difficult conversations? In person seems like the only way, but we only meet every three years. 100%, and, and Matt understands my own frustration um, that I've expressed. I might have expressed it here, but I know I've expressed it privately, which is uh, you get two opportunities where the whole denomination comes together, or at least has the opportunity to come together. You have triennial, which meets every three years, and every three years, the denomination gets together for an AC leaders conference. I think those are your two options. And any and changes cannot be implemented until triennial. The AC, uh, my, what I was hoping for is that we could have some of this dialogue, let's say, at, at AC leaders conference. Um, that's not going to happen. You know, it's, you know, it's going to be focused on essentially pastors taking care of themselves and their emotional and spiritual health, which is important for pastors to, to understand. But I think many of us are like, listen, it's time to poop or get off the pot. Like, let's do something right. Um, let's have these conversations and make some real changes so that we can be more effective and efficient in ministry. Um, now, I have been encouraged, and I forget who, who shared this with me, where they said, listen, there's going to be plenty of white space on the calendar at, at AC Leaders Conference. If you want to get people together to have conversations about structural change and or theological alignment, do it. Coordinate it. You know, um, we're happy to, you know, you'll have the facility to be able to do it. So maybe that's, maybe that's on the table. I don't know. Um, and to answer Josh, is, is that sort of enforcement something we can actually do? And I would say yes, if we're willing to, and we, mm -hmm. and we all come to the table and agree to, to do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, but I think there are going to be many who are reticent 
to agree to new standards because of whatever their philosophy is. And so that's going to be that's going to be the the hard part is getting current people to agree to uh, a more structured environment. Right. right. I mean, um, it was a bad it was a battle here in Maine um, to put forth uh, an ethics document for pastors. And from what I understand, I came in after it was adopted, but I heard it was it was like biting teeth. And even to this day, there are pastors who refuse to, to sign it because of, for whatever philosophical reasons, I don't know that there's anything actually in there. And if there is something in there that is difficult, um, then bring it up and say, listen, I have an issue with this piece. Can we talk it out rather than just say throwing it out? Yeah. Um, What's this radical individualism that people have that it's like, Listen, if you don't want to be a part of this organization, don't be a part of it. You know, this is this is what we're trying to do. We think accountability and care and accountability isn't to put someone's thumb on you. It's to help you and aid you. It's not, you know, um, anyway. Um, so it certainly can, Josh Cheney, uh, be enforced how it gets in, how it would be enforced. You know, if you talk to a few different people, you'll probably get a few different answers. There are different options so um and nathaniel essentially says that too it would require some constitutional changes at the denominational level could also be simply implemented by ministerial committees who say this is the standard by which we this is our theological standard the statement of faith and declaration of principles um so it could happen at you know in a multitude of ways Yep, and I think I think those are. I think that's it. So, um, all right. So now someone needs to make it happen. Go, go, do it. I, I elect Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah. Nathaniel's. I, I second. Happen. You nominate. I second it. Okay. Uh, so, so we're gonna bring. I don't really. So I'm, now I'm not sure. What, I'm not a parliamentarian. Well, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna move that that we adjourn this meeting. <laughs> all, all in favor, say aye. Aye. All right, man. Hey, everybody, we love you. We hey, I just just a disclaimer. We had this conversation in love and in charity. We're hoping for the best. We're praying for the best, um, and we uh, we pray for the Lord to work in our hearts in the lines of our denominations that we can be more effective, more efficient in proclaiming God's glory to all the nations. Amen. Amen. And, and Bigford, your article was your acceptance speech. Yep. There you go. So take care, everybody. We love you. And we will see you next week. We're not going to really see them. They'll see us.